Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm your host, Bernadette Walsh, and I'm so pleased to introduce my guest this evening, Shayla Black. Shayla is the New York Times and USA Today best-selling author of over 40 sizzling romances. Her titles include Wicked Ties and Strip Search. So welcome, Shayla, to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. How are you this evening? Doing great. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. So maybe we could talk a little bit about your writing journey. How long have you been writing professionally? Um, I sold my first book in the Stone Ages, honestly, before there was independent publishing or even e-publishing at all, um, in May of 1998. I started writing historicals under a different pseudonym, and I really enjoyed what I did. I took a break uh, probably about 2002, and I took a year and a half off or so, and I thought a little bit about what I really wanted to write going forward, and then I started writing contemporary romances in 2005, and Berkeley released my first in 2006, and it was called Bound and Determined. Okay, and so now do you write only in contemporary romance or do you um, write in other genres? I've also written, um, I write a lot of contemporary, a lot of contemporary erotic, erotic thrillers. I've also written a paranormal series and, uh, you know, kind of whatever floats my boat, but a lot of, a lot of contemporary, yes. Mm-hmm. And so what, do you, what has been the biggest change, you think, from when you started writing to today? I would say if if you're talking about an industry perspective, that would definitely be e-publishing. It it changed everything. There was no such thing uh, when I started publishing, so everything was about print books, and, um, you know, it was just the whole business model was entirely different. So the way you think about books now and the way people talk to you about books are just vastly different. Mm -hmm. Now, do you write all your books under um, the same pseudonym or, or, like, I, I know you said that you switched when you changed from historical. Um, do your, are your paranormals, are, are they all under Shayla Black, or do you use different yeah, pen names? Are, yeah, sorry. Yeah, those are all under Shayla Black. I actually switched pseudonyms after my historicals because I found that my historical readers weren't really prepared to read contemporaries, and they kind of didn't like picking up a book and finding out that I wasn't writing historicals anymore. So it was just easier to make a clean break, which is what I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think with contemporaries, I mean, people. A lot of people will switch genres. I, I guess historicals. People are more diehard uh, historicals. Is, is that your sense that they only like to read historicals? Yeah, they really, and they particularly even get very specific about what time periods they want to read. So it's even, you know, I even switched inside historicals between Regencies and Victorians and a few medievals, and 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 even some of the readers were you know, like, pick a time period. <laughs> So it was um, it was good to just when I especially as I moved more toward erotic, um, you know, than the historical readers of the time. I think now there's a lot more. I mean, there's historical erotic now, but you know, in when I made the switch in genres, there really wasn't in the strictest sense of the word. So to make sure that people understood, you know, new book, new type of book, new everything. Uh, I just went with a different name, and uh, you know, I, I never 
at all tried to hide who I was. It was just merely a means of branding different sorts of books so that people would understand what they were getting. Now, in terms of the genres that you choose to write in, I mean, what what inspired you to to kind of hop genres? Because often people, you know, in in the industry tell beginner writers, you know, you should pick a genre and stick with it. Um, now, that's not what I've done. I've I've skipped around genres as well, but um, but I'm a rule breaker. <laughs> Sounds like you may be as well. Uh, you know, what is what's just your a little? <laughs> yes. <laughs> It, do you find it uh, it difficult in terms of promotion to promote books in different genres? Um, what I'll say is for a lot of people who are really starting out that it is more difficult because a lot of people still, I mean, there are plenty of readers who do like to hop genres, and I know I'm the sort of reader, if whatever it is, I don't really care what it is. I've had I, I will say one day that I hate, for instance, sci-fi, but if you write it really well, you can make me love it, and I'll read it. But that's not true of all readers. Some readers really like to stick to you know, their one thing, and that's what they really like. So um, I, you know, I tell people when they're starting out, it's better to at least get you know, somewhere between five and ten titles in any one genre before you decide to run off and do something else just for pure ra- name recognition. But um, I, I know plenty of people who haven't done that and, and – done really well with it, I think it just depends, honestly, on what you're writing and how timely it is and, and whether it just catches on for whatever reason. And some, some of that is promotion, some of that is just the writing, some of it is, you know, whatever topic you pick and whether it, you know, catches people's attention at the moment. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have a favorite genre to write in? Uh, because I, I think I'm hard. a little bit of a rule breaker. I, I, I do really love writing erotic. There's just no rules, really. Mm-hmm. You now, can, what is, you can how sort of. Been, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What's that? Um, so, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say it's you. You just you have no rules, and and you can kind of really do whatever you want. It's it's always one of those things you can explore, and and take a story in almost any direction. With the only caveat being, I write erotic romance, so I I need to have you know a happily ever after, but. Other than that, it's it's really the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. Now, how long have you been writing erotic romance, erotic titles? Is that more recently? Uh, or? No, I've actually been writing that since my my first book in my Wicked Lover series, which was Wicked Ties, came out in January of 2007. So I always would get kind of a giggle when people would say to me, oh my gosh, isn't this new genre great? And I would say it's 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 not new. I actually started reading it back in 2000. Mhm, mhm. Yeah. So people think you're just kind of jumping on the Fifty Shades bandwagon, but but you really uh, there were and a lot of other writers as well were there long before right. uh, before that came around. Now, have you felt that Fifty Shades has helped your sales, or you know, because now people who maybe wouldn't have wanted to pick up or even thought about picking up an erotic romance now are willing to try the genre? What I found is that there were a lot of people who had misconceptions about what a romance was at all um, and, and thought of, you know, gee, my you know, grandmother or whatever used to read little paperbacks she bought at the drugstore, and, you know, I didn't want to read that kind of book. And I think a lot of people I've talked to really had no idea that this sort of, you know, intense relationship-based book you know, with lots of feeling and emotion and, you know, 
all the the fantasy that comes with it, I think they just didn't know it existed. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people now, have, you know, started reading again, and they said they hadn't read in years. And that's great. That really, I mean, I think it's anything that gets people to read. I, I think, you know, there's so much other things that people can do with their time, and that's why I'm always thrilled. And I'm, you know, a fairly beginner writer, but I'm always thrilled with people actually read my books because, you know, people are busy, they're working, there's so many, you know, there's 90 channels on our TV. And so the fact that someone will sit and read my book I think is great. And I think anything that gets more people to read, you know, I think sometimes it's hard for people who are true readers, and and I'm a reader first before a writer. I I always find it kind of odd, and I I don't really connect with people who don't read, but a lot of people don't. Or some people read like one. I think the average is like people buy one or two books a year, and I think I buy one or two books a week. But, um, yeah, no, I think it's great that people are reading, A, and then, B, that they're giving romance a try because I think sometimes romance gets a bad rap. So um, I completely now, agree. Yeah, yeah. Now, maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, the mechanics of your writing. Do you tend to write from the first person, the third person? Do you mix it up? No, I'm a third-person writer. I'm, I'm, I really, because I write, I was raised with a lot of men, and so I write very strong men. It's, it's really, I kind of know my way around their heads fairly well. So for me, writing from a first-person perspective, I like the connection that you get with a heroine, but I also really like to climb into a hero's head. So for me, I really enjoy the ability to go back and forth between points of view and figure out how the relationship is impacting everybody involved rather than just one person, and it's my little personal quirk. Wow. Well, I'm very, very jealous because I always have a very hard time with my male characters, and that's why I think I write from the first person, (laughs) so I need them to be a little more removed. But um, I guess everyone finds their comfort level. Maybe you could talk about about um, where you're published. Are you, you know, do you self-publish? Do you publish with small houses, big houses? I have actually done all of the above. Um, because I started publishing in the Stone Age, I, I started with a New York publisher. That's all that existed in 1998. Um, and I have since written for um, small presses. I've done... The vast, my entire Wicked Lover series, for instance, is published with uh, Penguin. I've written for Simon and Schuster. I've written for Kensington. I um, I've also written for Sam Hain and Alora's Cave, and then I've done a lot of independent publishing too. I I enjoy the flexibility of of looking at a project, whatever I'm working on, and deciding what's the best platform for it. And I've I've actually um, enjoyed every experience that I've had. They're all just you know, somewhat different, and the rationale that I would have for picking one over the other would be, um, you know, purely business and, and well, business and also, you know, which reader is going to respond most to a certain sort of title and what's best going to reach that reader. You know, where does that reader exist in, in the reading stratosphere? Where are they most likely to be spending their time? Because that's the book you want to be able to give to them, Right. So it's it's always a little bit of a weighing and balancing act. I do a series with uh, my friend Lexi, Lexi Blake um, called The Masters of Menage, and we knew when we started writing the series it really wasn't a New York series. It was it was purely a Menage series, it's very erotic romance, um, and and that sort of book has its roots really in independent publishing because so many of those readers are looking 
for something that doesn't exist someplace else, and we were able to give it the cover treatment that it really desired and, and give it the look and the feel that would appeal to this very specific readership that maybe uh, New York not doing quite so many Minaj books wouldn't understand that readership the way that we do. So then I, I guess you think that because that all these changes have been only good for you. Because I think there's some people who think, you know, it's great that there's a lot of different opportunities, but maybe it's more difficult for writer readers, or I'm sorry, for writers to to figure out where to go. Like, should I pursue a New York publishing contract? Should I go independently? And you know, like you said, when you first started, New York was the only a traditional publishing route was the only way to go, and now you have all these options. And so it sounds like you're embracing all these different options. I can remember being one of the first New York authors to actually sign with a small press and and having some of my peers ask me if I'd lost my mind. But in all honesty, I kept saying, you know, there are readers there, and they're embracing e-books in a way that New York hasn't done yet. And, And we're actually losing as authors you know, the opportunity to reach out to these readers and give them books that they want to read if for no other reason than the publishers we're publishing with at the time just didn't really understand. They didn't understand that reader. They didn't understand the person who wanted to download an e-book and, you know, and start writing in three minutes or reading in three minutes or less. They, just, they didn't have the experience to really know how to reach out and touch that reader. Because I was personally that reader, I understood it really well. And so I pursued avenues to reach the people who were like me, who were impatient and wanted to download a book at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night, and they might stay up half the night and reading it. And they couldn't have walked into a bookstore. They, you know, they might have been browsing social media and run across this book, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I want to read this right now. I was that reader. Right. So I went out of my way to go find the avenues. I I try to look at this not as what's easy for me to navigate, but what's what's the best experience for the reader. I mean, at the end of the day, we write stories because we love them, but we write stories because we want to make people happy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you want to get books in their hand, regardless of what those books look like, right? Yeah, to me, the way you distribute it is a little bit – I mean, it, it matters to me in the way I do business, and it matters to the reader in the way that they find it. But to me, it's mostly about, you know, making that connection with the reader. All of that really in some way should be as seamless to them as possible. It should just really be about, you know, how can I get the story into the hands of somebody who will, you know, hopefully read the book and close it with a sigh and just be happy. Now, it's interesting how you say that traditional publishing kind of resisted or or wasn't um, resisted electronic publishing or, or wasn't reaching out and penetrating that market. But now I think they are. And it will be interesting to see what happens with some of those independent publishers because I think they used to be able to compete in price. You know, they, maybe they would price a book at two ninety nine or three ninety nine, and that same book or the same type of book with a traditional publisher would be, you know, 9.99 or 8.99. But now it looks like a lot of the traditional publishers are competing on price. And so, like I said, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I think some of the bigger independent publishers like Samheim, for example, I mean, they they've built their brand in Allura's Cave. 
But, um, you know, there's smaller ones like Lyrical Press, for example, who is my publisher. They've now become part of Kensington. They've kind of been eaten up. So it'll be interesting to see if there's more of those consolidations or, you know, if some of the really smaller or more niche uh, independent publishers, you know, survive or not. I don't know if you have a view on that. I think what what happens is the the smaller presses that are surviving and some are even thriving have done it because they've created a sense of community for those readers. You know, they it's not just a destination to go buy a book, it's actually sort of a place to see friends virtually speaking. And so they've they've sort of created, you know, they have a brand and they have an identity even if they're you know, releasing books across multiple genres, it still has kind of a tone, look, feel, and and those readers kind of, um, I think it's a little less scary for them in terms of, you know, buying a book and being happy with it. It's it's a little bit more intimidating for some people to just go out on, you know, Amazon or Barnes and Noble or whatever and search a sea of books and have no idea other than reviews, which may or may not be accurate or may or may not reflect your taste specifically, right? And so I think they look at those smaller presses as the ability to almost have somebody have vetted the book for them. Well, you know, I usually like books by this publisher. You know, this sounds good, so I'll probably like it. Plus, like I said, they're also seeing some of the same readers every day on Facebook groups and Yahoo loops and things like that. So they kind of feel like they can ask some of their friends, hey, have you read this? Did you like it? What do you think? Should I do it? Um, and I think it just gives them a way to sort of feel like almost like a virtual book club in some senses. Wow, that's interesting. That's interesting. Now, you write a lot in series. Maybe you could talk about, you know, what attracted you to writing in series and and what are some of, you know, the the benefits of writing a series and what are some of the downfalls? Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a people person. So, uh, you know, it's strange because so many of my cohorts are very introverted people and I'm, I'm not. <laughs> so for me, any, any given book is always about the people. I mean, you might have, you know, gums and bombs and espionage and conspiracies and, you know, fill in the blanks, right? People from outer space or whatever. For me, um, no matter what the window dressing is, it's always about the people and what they learn and their lives and how they find their happiness. So I didn't, for instance, Wicked Lovers, I, I didn't, I'm writing book nine right now. I didn't actually set out to write a series, but I kept introducing people that I personally found interesting, and then my mail started coming in, and other people found these people interesting too. So, you know, I'm listening to readers, and I'm listening to my heart, and I'm I'm kind of saying, gosh, I, I really, you know, want to write about a book about this person but as i'm listening to the characters in my head i'm oh wow you have a really screwed up backstory geez um so i i I found as i'm listening to the characters who are talking in my head and yeah i realize that being a writer is one of those things where you can talk about the voices in your head and it's you know one of the few occupations you can have where you won't be carted off by people in white coats i just um you know, got to that point where I thought I I need to tell this story now that I've heard this character's backstory and they they will come, you know, walk through my head and literally like pull up a chair and say, okay, look, here's the problem, and I I start listening and I then I'm just compelled to tell these stories and so I really enjoy writing a series and introducing somebody 
and kind of letting the reader get to know them a little bit the way I do, just kind of a little bit at a time and sprinkle some little details. And then when that character is ready to tell me the whole story, uh, you know, that's when I sit down and write the whole book. And I find that people really enjoy the experience of meeting somebody and then getting to know about them over the course of two, three, four books until I, you know, sit down and write that whole meaty backstory, you know, and help them find a way to be happy. And it actually is somewhat fulfilling to me. It's a little bit like being a character psychotherapist, right? You know, okay, here, please be less screwed up now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I I wrote a four-book paranormal series, and I loved it. And it's interesting because I did not set out to write a series. I wrote one book that was supposed to be a standalone, and to you know, to steal your words, after that first book, you know, I tried to start something else, but those characters kept talking to me and distracting me so that I couldn't leave their world. And so, right. uh, you know, I went book one to book two, and then I was like, all right, it'll be a trilogy, and then that will be the end. And I tried to write another book, and they were still yapping. So I, you know, I, I did book four. Now, I really ended that series, and I can't imagine opening it up again, and I think part of the reason why, although I loved writing a series, I felt I was getting a little too comfortable. And, you know, there's real benefits in writing a series because you've done a lot of the hard work, especially in the earlier books, of building that world. And especially in a paranormal, you know, I, I built the, world, the rules of that world. My book was about a family of Irish witches. So I kind of, you know, I've talked about the genealogy and, and you know, how all the characters fit in and their world. Um, and I forced myself to stop writing that series because I did feel like I was getting a little comfortable. Now, when do you know? So I guess I have two questions. One, have you stopped the series because you felt you were being too comfortable? And two, you know, when do you know when to stop it? I I actually haven't finished a series because I felt too comfortable. I always I have this weird little personal habit, and I've had it honestly for. 20 years, where every time I sit down to write a book, and it doesn't matter whether it's in series or not, I always have these weird challenges for myself, like, I have this strange idea, gee, I wonder if I can make this work, or, you know, I've talked about the following things in this world, but I need to go to someplace completely different in this world and open up a brand new door and talk about, you know, some aspect of this world that I've never even hinted at, or, you know, something like that. There's always some little something that I feel compelled to do because um, I I really never want to write the same book twice, and I totally hear what you're saying about not wanting to be too comfortable. So I think it's one reason. I've been asked a lot in Wicked Lovers, for instance, why I've gone from, you know, writing an MF book to a menage book to, you know, more MF books and some more menage books. And part of it is because I'm always exploring different relationship dynamics um, I'm always trying to give people a different emotional look inside different people with different problems, and I, I always want everything to be different, basically. I'm, I really try never to repeat myself. I think um, the downside of that, though, becomes uh, I'm into, like I said, I'm writing book nine of Wicked Lovers. I'm writing book six, or we just finished book six of Masters of Menage. I'm, I'm always so deep into series. I've done five Doomsday Brethren books. Um, I have a series Bible for each and every one of them. And, my, for instance, my series Bible for Wicked Lovers is somewhere around 50 pages. 
it's it's a lot of information to keep up with, and I I know you can appreciate that writing paranormals because even at only five books in Doomsday Brethren, I found that my Bible was enormous, and your world rules, especially in paranormal, I think have to be super meticulous. Especially if you're, especially because I think paranormal. I, I, you know, I don't know if it's still so popular, but I, I still read paranormal. But um, especially because a lot more people started reading paranormal and kind of learned about the quote rules about each paranormal entity, right? Like we we now know so much about vampires from reading, you know, watching True Blood and 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 reading. There were so many vampire books there for a while. So as a writer, you kind of. If you're doing something off standard from what a vampire is supposed to do, you kind of have to explain it, right? And so, and if you don't get it right, I think it pulls people or give a rationale as to why your vampire is different from other vampires. It pulls people out of the story, right? So I, I think that puts a little bit of pressure, like you said, on getting the the world building right in terms of paranormal. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like I said, I, I don't know if I'll go back to a series. I did love it, um, but you know, I, I decided to go back to my roots and do a little bit more women's fiction, and, and that's the book I'm working on right now. But um, we're running a little bit short in times, and I know that you have some new releases. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what you're working on right now, what is coming out soon for you. Sure. In uh, March 4th, I had my eighth Wicked Lovers book release called Theirs to Cherish, and it's a book that's really near and dear to my heart. I um, I get asked a lot which heroines are most like me, and I would have to say Callie from that book is probably in some ways a lot like me. So I, I had this fun sort of connection with Callie because I kind of always – she didn't ever confound me. I always knew what she was going to do, and um, – I had a lot of fun, you know, parts of that book took place in Vegas and there was a car chase and, you know, some of that stuff is just really a lot of fun for me. But the deep roots of the book are very emotional and and it's about, you know, halves of your heart and healing and um, trying to figure out where you really belong in life. And so a lot of that for me was, it, it was a, I think, a book that I really wanted to write and it resonated for me, um, you know, just thinking about the way she tried to put her life back together after a whole bunch of really awful stuff. Um, then next Tuesday I'll be releasing with Lexi Blake the Six Masters of Menage book, which is their virgin secretary. Um, and, and these are books that Lexi and I, uh, we really do for fun, and, and we balance one another out. I tend to be really sort of dark and thematic and dramatic and probably lots of other addicts. Um, and, and Lexi tends to be kind of really kind of fun and light and happy and and we're a little bit crazy together so we we balance each other out so we wind up with these books that are um you know kind of somewhere in the middle there's lots of funny stuff there's lots of dramatic stuff there's lots of you know you'll probably laugh you'll probably cry and and that's what we like about it it's you know we kind of give each other the thing that we don't naturally do on our own and um, so we we both put some things in there that we really wanted. So there's a little bit of ghost hunting, and there's it, a lot of it takes place in New Orleans, and um, there's a doggy wedding, and it, it's just it's a little bit crazy, and and we have a lot of fun doing that series together. Now, what are some of the difficulties in in writing with a partner? Because I can't imagine writing with a partner. How, yeah. how did you, I actually? You know, <laughs> 
I actually have two different collaborative series, and, and we work them both really, really differently. Um, the one I write with Lexi, we get together and we plot, and um, Lexi is, is I won't say quieter because that's not accurate. She's, she's probably a little more, um, when she sits down to write, she likes to do it alone. So mm-hmm. she kind of goes off and does a rough draft, and then I come behind her, and um, I add a whole bunch of the book, and I will move some things around and rewrite parts of it, and we kind of pass it back and forth a little bit until we're all happy with it. Um, and in fact, we've, you know, and neither one of us are brief writers, so this book that's coming out next Tuesday ends up being almost 130,000 words. It's enormous. Wow. Then uh, I write another series. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I write another series with a couple of other friends of mine, um, Isabella LaPearl and Jenna Jacob, and we write a series called Doms of Her Life, which is, for lack of a better way to put it, it's sort of like our BDSM. It's our, it's our dungeon soap opera books. Um, and it's, it actually follows one trio over the course of multiple books as opposed to you know, starting different characters with every book. So it really is a continuation of the story of three people trying to, you know, kind of get their lives together. And, and there's this continual question of who she'll wind up with and, you know, how can they fix her? Can she fix herself? And what about all these other people from their past? And it's just kind of a constant up, down, crazy round and round relationship and uh, we actually work that really, really differently. We sort of sit down and have some vague ideas about where we want to go and then we just start writing stuff and eventually we get happy. Wow. Well, that, what I guess writing, having a writing partner overcomes one problem that writers often have and that I have because I am a lone wolf and sometimes, you know, when you're stuck in the head, especially, and then I write from the first person, so sometimes I just feel so stuck in the head of my heroine and you sometimes lose a little bit of perspective. So at least you have someone to bounce ideas off of, and it's, it's kind of like an, uh, more than just um, a critique partner, but this is someone who is also very invested in your story and your characters. So, you know, like I said, I can't imagine, because I am a lone wolf, I can't imagine writing with partners, but I could see how, you know, there, there could be some really great benefits to it as well. So You well, have to like be somewhat... A- Sorry, I was just going to say, you have to be somewhat um, on the same page. Uh, Lexi and I often joke that we're sort of mentally married, and what we found out is even though we approach a book from a completely different tone perspective, what we found out is we valued the same things in a book. So even if we wouldn't necessarily write a scene in exactly the same words, we would put the emphasis in, in the same place. It really does cut down on arguments. <laughs> For instance, so it, it's we're we're getting to the same place, and and what makes it unique, I think, is it's a blend of how she would approach it and how I would approach it, but we actually really put, you know, that that sort of stress of the scene in the same spot, so we're we're going to the same destination. Right, right. Well, like I said, you're you're very you're all very prolific, and it sounds like it's really working out for you. So. That's it's quite inspiring. Anyway, maybe you could tell people where they can find you online. Uh, my website is www.shaylablack.com. Um, I have a Facebook page, and I think if you look at Shayla Black author, you'll find it. Um, my Twitter is at Shayla underscore Black, and um, 
you know, pretty much every – I have a Pinterest, too. I just started it, so it's I don't have a lot on it yet. But I think from pretty much every place in my website, you can see all of my social media links. I have a blog. I have a store. So if you um, want to sign book, I've got a few titles up there now. I'm in the process of adding more. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where you've got about 40 books to add. It just takes a while. Right. And, um, you know, I'm I'm kind of everywhere – all the time i'm like i said i'm a people person so i have a tendency to be out there kind of talking to people as much as i can right and i noticed on your website you have a lot of events coming up this year you're going to are you you're going to be at um rwa is that right yeah i'll be at rwa i'm actually starting um i'll be at rt in new orleans in may i'm going to book bash in orlando in june i'll be in rwa in july which is in san antonio I'll be in uh, the Midwestern Book Lovers United, I think it's called, uh, convention in Minneapolis in September, and I'll be at Love in Vegas, which is, of course, in Las Vegas in October. Um, I, I might add another date or two. I'm kind of looking at a few things, but that should pretty much be my travel schedule for the year. And then on April 16th, which I guess is next Wednesday, um, I'll be doing a live chat at Writer Space. So if you're not in a position to travel to a conference or I'm not coming anywhere near you, um, you can go to www.writerspace.com backslash chat, I believe. And at 9 p.m. Eastern, I'll be chatting um, with Lexi Blake about uh, Masters of Menage and anything else that happens to come up. Like I said, we might be a little crazy. So all kinds of stuff comes up in our chats. Well, that's great. That's great. And all the information, I think, on some of your events are, are on your website, so people can check that out there. Well, Sheila, thanks so much for joining me this evening. Um, before I go, I just want to update everyone on some of my upcoming shows. Uh, Jeannie Moon will be my guest on April 30th. She is a fellow Long Islander and uh, um, author of a trilogy. The first book in that trilogy is called... The Temporary Wife, and it's a really great book. Um, so please check her out. She's a, a delightful woman, and she'll be a wonderful guest, I'm sure. And then I am interviewing Kristen Higgins, the New York Times bestselling author and Harlequin author, on June 4th. And um, I'm really looking forward to interviewing Kristen as well. So all the information on all my upcoming interviews is on my website and also my blog talk radio show um, show page, so please check those out. Also wanted to remind people that the first book in my four-book paranormal series, The Devil, uh, Devil and Legacy, and the first book in the series, Devil's Mountain, is only 99 cents, and that um, that is available right now from Kensington. And all of my covers and excerpts from my books are available on my website, BernadetteWalsh.com. So thanks, everyone. This is Bernadette Walsh from Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.